Okay, so today, and the whole reason why um, he taught on prayer last week, and another reason I'm actually going to um, pick up kind of where he left off, um, or actually just go into a little bit more depth into some of the stuff he mentioned last week, is because like he said, and with the rope, that prayer and fasting go together. So I want to encourage you during this time, because you're doing something different in your natural life, just with your eating, do something different in your prayer life, and your spiritual walk as well. Um, a couple days ago, I actually spent some time away from the house. I spent the night out, and um, um, I spent the night out, and my daughter, before I left, she came up to me, and she said, uh, Mom, I know you're leaving, and we're not going to be able to do our special kisses, so let's go ahead and do them right now. She has a special kiss that we do before she goes to bed. She kisses me all over my face, and then I have to do the same thing, and I kiss her all over her face. And so she said, oh, we'll do them right now. And uh, also, I think you should bring this. <laughs> this is her baby picture. She loves babies, but she loves looking at her own baby pictures too. She has them up around her room because she loves babies. She's very motherly. So this right here, and this, I don't want to blind you out. So if I'm trying not to shine it on your face. But this right here it just encapsulates my daughter, her whole existence in the past six years. I mean, that smile that's been on her face forever. But why? Why did she give me this? Why do you think? Why did she give me this? She thinks I might forget her. She doesn't want me to forget her, right? She doesn't want me to forget her. Well, that's the first thing we're going to talk about today. Uh, did everybody get a bulletin? If you didn't get a bulletin, raise your hand. We've got some more right here. Just keep your hand up. He's going to come bring it to you. But the first thing right here, how to have a consistent prayer life. This first part right here, I want you to fill in the blanks. It says, live with a constant awareness of his presence in your life. So today I'm going to give you a little bit of the how-tos of last week's message. How can we live with a constant awareness that God is with us everywhere we go? In Psalm 139, it says, you see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You follow me. You place your hand of blessing on me. If you go down a little bit further, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. He's with you everywhere that you go. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we're going to be accountable. So there's nothing that you can do. There's no place that you can travel that, that God is not there with you. He sees everything that you do. So now how do we take this and, and we get it into I want to remember that he is always with me. This, this ring right here, um, it's probably aluminum, I don't know. It busted a couple years ago, so it's broken on the back. You remember this ring? Sure I do. <laughs> you remember that ring? Yeah, somehow. Yeah, somehow. I'm going to remind you, I've kept this ring because I got this ring um, two days after I asked Jesus into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Two days after I got saved, I got saved on a Saturday night. And on Monday, I remember I was at my favorite shoe store in Melda's in Baton Rouge, and I was buying a new pair of shoes, and I was so excited. And I'm at the checkout, and all of a sudden, I saw this ring sitting there, and I go, I have forgotten about God. I have not talked to him today. 
He like rocked my world on Saturday night. And how rude of me to forget about him. So right there when I'm purchasing my shoes, I got this ring. I said, I'm going to wear this ring. And every time I look at it, God, I'm going to think about you. Every time I touch it, I'm talking to you. I have to get this because how rude, how awful of me to forget about you. I mean, you're awesome. I love you. So I had gotten this physical little thing to remind me of something that had happened spiritually in my life. Um, Psalms 2710 says, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Now forsake means abandon or desert, to leave high and dry, to turn one's back on, to break up with. Have you ever had anybody break up with you? You're kind of like, oh, a little bit of sadness. Nope. Have you ever had anybody leave you high and dry? They said they were going to be there at that time and they just didn't show up and it's like, oh, I really needed you today. God will never do that to you. He'll never forsake you. And in the, in the um, Hebrew right there where it says take care of me, it means to gather one into company of others, to bring up from the rear, to be thy rear guard. God wants to be that for you. Everywhere you go, he's got your back. Everywhere you go, he's your rear guard. He wants to gather you up. If somebody doesn't, if somebody tries to forsake you in your circle of friends, he's going to gather you up and he's going to say, come on over here. I got another group right here. I, I need you to, to, to be in with this group right here. This is where you need to be. I was at a funeral not too long ago and I remember sitting in there thinking, and I did this for the funeral. I rearranged my schedule. I had some meetings planned for that day. But I said, no, I'm going. I called and canceled or rescheduled my meetings and said, I've, I've got to go. And I can remember the same thing is true whenever babies are born. How many of you have ever maybe rescheduled something or pushed something back because a baby was being born or they were having a celebration of the birth and you wanted to go? And I'm not going to miss that because you can't do that over. They're only like born one time, right? They only die one time. It's not like I can, I'll catch the next funeral. No, but there's something about at birth and at death. We say, God, thank you. Thank you for this precious baby. Thank you for this gift. It's a gift from you. Healthy, all 10 fingers, all 10 toes. And then there's something about a funeral. Where we'll rearrange our whole schedule and say, say, I'm there. God, thank you for that person's life. Right now, I just want to pray for their family. And, and God, you just, you just touched my heart through that person. You recognize God. You recognize how precious life is and who the creator is, where our life comes from. But what happens? in the middle what happens in the middle we go from I'm rearranging my schedule because this beautiful child was born I want to see it it's first three hours of existence if you're a lady I know some of us will but I will drop everything to go up there when they say I can come because I love seeing them they're just tiny brand new because they don't stay that way they just grow and they stink and stuff they're just precious when they're tiny you know so we have this thing where we just respect life and we respect the creator. And then we have, uh, at the end of life, we come to the church, we pray for the family, we sing, we talk about that person, we pray, God, let them enter in into heaven. You know, it depends on what kind of funeral you're going to, but anyway, yes. But what happens in the middle? We get too busy. I can't rearrange my schedule. I mean, I know we've got a function for a church or I know that there's a prayer meeting for this or I know God told me to go and buy this for that person, but I am really busy today. I mean, have you seen my planner? I mean, man, look at all the things. Oh gosh, I am late right now. I have got to go. We get so busy. 
So there's got to be something that we can do to remind us constantly of, the, of God being with us, him omnipresent everywhere that we are. And it's a natural thing. Today I'm going to give you some assignments. Just like, where's my picture? Just like this right here. She knew at her six-year-old smartness, she knows, I don't, you're not going to see me. I don't want you to forget me. So today I want to challenge you You may be sitting here saying, yeah, oh yeah, I forgot there, and I forgot there, and I forgot there. Do something natural that will cause you to remember God is with you everywhere you go. If it's wearing a cross around your neck, great. If it's putting some on your keychain, fine. I know I have uh, have these right here. I'm going to show you both of them. This one right here, remember this one? This is a rose that Kevin gave me. It has dew on it. It looks like a morning rose. So beautiful. And it says, I love you more than all the dew on all the flowers in the world forever. You have to know. You have to know. Now wait. Okay, no, I'm not going to say that. You have to know that we used to go back and forth saying, I love you more. I love you more than all the sand on all the... Yes. Okay, last week, I know he happened to mention how cold my fingers and my toes and my hiney get when I snuggle up and I'm freezing, like, get me warm. I heard the recording, babe. So it just kind of comes all out, you know. It's okay. We, we do. We share everything with you. I'm honored to do it. Okay, so that was so I had this um, up on my visor when I drive, and I every day get in my car and look at my roads. Just loved it. Right next to it, I have this right here. It was our shoot for the moon confessions. Kevin actually he had these were put in his heart early in our marriage, and and he printed up a copy for me so that we could say the same thing. We had the same thing coming out of our mouth. So I have a strong, uncompromising marriage and is an example to others. I have strong, healthy kids that are passionate about serving God, William Noble and Caroline Ansley. These are our confessions that we were saying together. We're getting our mouths lined up and speaking in the same direction over our family, over our life. But I had this in my visor so I wouldn't forget. So I want to challenge you. If it's sticky notes on the refrigerator or something posted up in the bathroom, I've done that before. Do it. Do something natural. This is how you apply this right here. How can I live with a constant awareness of his presence? Do something natural. If you have to schedule your time with God, it doesn't mean that it's not real. It doesn't mean that you don't really mean it or it's not passionate. It means that you place value on that. When we have planners and we have scheduled in our phones and and reminders go off in the morning today, you've got this, this, and this. It's because you place value on those appointments, right? Well, in the same way, it is okay on your calendar put, I am blocking out these three hours to pray, to spend time with God, to listen to praise and worship music, to read my Bible. It shows that you place value on that. One thing I want to mention, ooh, I put a gas mask on there. You see that? This right here is a hindrance. One big hindrance of living with a constant awareness of his presence can be your lifestyle, can be the choices that you make in your day-to-day living can actually hinder your awareness. Why? Because sometimes the choices that we make in our day-to-day life, 
we get in a situation or in a place where we recognize, nah, this really isn't good for me. And if you don't respond to that, that's the Lord trying to poke you saying, are you sure you want to make that choice? Maybe you should hold, maybe you shouldn't go there. Maybe you shouldn't go there with that person. If we override that, you are searing your conscience. That's where God speaks to you. The Holy Spirit will, will nudge you into your conscience, in your heart, and say, mm, hang on, don't do that. Or, or maybe you need to go there. You're trying to say you're too tired and sleepy and you don't want to go. You should go, you should go, you should go. We don't want to override that. But the way that you live, the choices that you make, if you choose to override that and say you go somewhere where the Lord told you not to go, you open the door to shame. You open the door to shame. You open the door to feeling unworthy. The next time you try to come into his presence, you feel a little like dirty, a little wrong, like, ah, I feel kind of marked up, and I did it to myself. I let it in. I let the shame in. Oh, let me read that real quick. Second, Titus 2. Titus 2.14 says he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. The very purpose, the very end result of what Jesus did on the cross, of what he did through the death, the burial, and the resurrection is to bring about Christ-like conduct and Christ-like character in us. That was the very purpose of him going to the cross, of him being crucified for us, of him being put into the ground and stripped of all his authority until he started to fight back. And he rose again, and he's seated in that place of victory. Whole reason why he did that is for us. We usually say that. It's for us. It's for us. He did that for me. He did that for me so I can go to heaven. Not just that. He did that so that it would form in you a Christ-like character in your heart, in your very being that is so distinctive that other people can see it. And because you've got this amazing, good character on the inside of you, it would reflect in your conduct, that Christ-like conduct, the way you carry yourself, where you go, how you act, what you say, what you do. The very purpose of the death, burial, and resurrection. And yet sometimes we foolishly override that nudging that says, don't do that, don't go there. We sear our conscience to where we can't quite hear him as good. And we're saying, in essence, I'd rather do this right now. This is more important to me than what you did on the cross. On Sunday, that'll be important to me again. But today, God, it just doesn't matter to me too much. How awful. Didn't that hurt you in your heart to think that you or I, to think that somebody could choose that? It just pierces my heart. Mm. Prayer produces a cleanliness of heart and a purity of life. Prayer and sinning cannot keep company with each other. One or the other must, of necessity, stop. 
When you start to, in, to institute these things that we're telling you, when you're, these are a guide, you understand? When I'm talking to you about scriptures to pray and things today, it's a jumping point. I'm not saying that I sit down and with these scriptures, I read them every single time. No, that would be ritualistic and be boring to me and be boring to God. He doesn't want to hear that. But if you're spending time with him and you're making the effort, he's thrilled, trust me. Sorry, back to this. Prayer and sinning cannot keep company with each other. Get men to pray and they will quit sinning because prayer creates a distaste for sinning. It works so much upon the heart that evil doing becomes repugnant or repulsive. You are repulsed by that. I can look back in my life now and think, man, I used to go there. Oh, I used to do that. And part of me kind of like cringes on the inside. I'm just kind of repulsed at my actions. But then the Holy Spirit reminds me, that's okay. I have changed you. You have been transformed into a new person. And now that's your testimony. Because somebody else is going through it. And because you can say, hey, I was there. But look what God's done. I mean, he picked me up, set me on a rock, cleaned me off. But it comes through prayer. Cleaning your heart. We cannot, by any process, divorce Praying from conduct. It matters. It matters how you act. And I'm not saying this to try and bring shame into you right now. If you start to feel like, oh, I'm feeling shame right now. I feel so bad. I want to duck under the chairs. No, no, no. All you need to do is say, God, I see what you're showing me. And I'm making the adjustment right here. I'm not going to walk out that door the same. I'm making the adjustment right here. At the bottom of your paper, I had put, you know, do something to remind, something natural to remind yourself to pray, like scheduling it or wearing something so that you don't forget about God's awareness in your, or God's presence in your life. The second one is to stay away from your kryptonite. You know what your kryptonite is, and it may not be the person next to you. It may not be the same thing, but everybody has their kryptonite. Everybody's got that one thing where you just think, if I get too close to that, I know I'll be sucked in to my old thinking, to my old attitudes, maybe relationships. Now, it may not always be that way. In other words, what's your kryptonite today? It may change 10 years from now. I know for me now, I'll tell you one, one thing that I have to really keep a close watch on myself. It's funny, everybody's like, yes. <laughs> One thing I have to keep a close watch on myself now is TCM. Just got to tell you, Turner Classic Movies. I could sit there all day long with some popcorn and a pillow and a Snuggie. <laughs> sit on the couch and watch some Turner Classic Movies. I will watch everything in one row for eight hours. I would. I'm not going to. But my flesh wants to do it. I like sitting there and watching those old movies. The older, the better. I mean, go back, back to the 30s. Before the 30s, it's silent pictures, and I don't have a whole lot of interest in that. But boy, between like the 30s and 60s, oh, man, I love it. Love some TCM. But I have to make sure every once in a while I can feel, and there's nothing bad about TCM. I mean, it's not. But if the Lord's telling me not to watch it, and I override that and do it anyway, there is something bad about it. So what's your kryptonite? Nobody can determine that for you. And when I said that, something popped into your head. That's the one thing that you need to keep a check on in your life. Not to let it pull you back in. 
All right, let's move on. So character and conduct. It was Christ-like character and Christ-like conduct in those blanks in case you didn't get them. What am I doing on time, babe? All right, let's jump over to the other side. How to have confidence in your prayer life. I'm going to give you this. We do need a bigger podium. How to have confidence in your prayer life. The first one is know his word. Know his word. It's impossible to boldly declare or ask God for something that you are not sure he is offering. It's like, God, I want to pray about this today, but wait a minute, can I even ask you for that? I don't know. And God, I want to pray for so-and-so to be healed, but I mean, do you really want them to be healed? Can I pray for that? To know his word, when you start to read your Bible on a regular basis, and I by no means am a scholar of the word, but I purpose in my heart to continually get in the word. And as I do that, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will supernaturally help you to remember some things. I mean, if you don't know about the story in Joshua I guess Joshua 6. Joshua, where he asked God for the sun to stand still so he can finish fighting his battle because he knows he's going to win. But God, I don't want the sun to go down. I mean, let's just end this thing today. So I'd like for the sun to stand still and the moon to stand still, and we're going to whip him because God's already told him he's got the victory. Sometimes we think we're going to God with these grandiose things. Look at Joshua. He asked for the sun to stand still, and God did it. If you don't know your word, you don't know about this. Daniel said, my God sent angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they wouldn't hurt me. I promise you when they shut the door, he probably wasn't talking to the lion that night. He was saying, uh, God, uh, God, what you going to do here? Something. I mean, I know because three chapters ago, you saved me in the fiery furnace. So I know you're going to do something and, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. So right then he sent his angels in to shut the mouths of the lions. When I was running uh, one time in Timber Lake, we used to live in Alexandria in Woodworth, the big town of Woodworth, and I had gone across the street to the neighborhood where my in-laws lived, and I was running around the neighborhood, and it's kind of hilly, some of it kind of just a gradual incline, but it would really, it would really get me around the back of the hill. You know, we're going back to the old part of the subdivision. There was that, that um, one house that I really liked and had the corner lot, you know what I'm talking about on the inside? Well, right there on the, on the lakeside, there was a dog. And every time I had been around this dog, I think the previous time, the dog had come out and tried to bite me. Well, I start hightailing it. I mean, I'm really running. Well, I had gotten out to do some, some jogging, like jogging. And I'm running on the incline, knowing that as I get to the top and around the corner, that's where the dog lives. And all of a sudden, the story about Daniel and the lion's den came to me, and I said, God, you're going to shut his mouth. You're going to shut his mouth, God. You're going to shut his mouth, and I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fear. And sure enough, as I went up that hill, that dog stood up, and I just looked at him, and I kind of picked up my pace a little, and then he sat back down. He didn't do anything. But if I didn't already have the word in me, have some knowledge of the word of God, I never could have said, God, I'm holding you to your word. Your word says, you did this for so-and-so. I'm asking you to do it for me. It says he's no respecter of persons. So when you find out what he did for other people in the Old Testament or New Testament, you can ask. You can ask some amazing stuff. 
Isaiah 53 says, he, our weaknesses he carried, our sorrow weighed him down. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Right there it tells you, Jesus, he carried my weakness. He knows what my kryptonite is. He knows what makes me weak. He knows what makes you weak. And he carried it. It says right there, he took it to the cross with him. So when you get in prayer and you get in his presence and say, God, I got this kryptonite here. I need your help dealing with it. I need some help. I know Jesus took my weakness. He took it on. That quote by Ian Bounds says, God speaks to man in the Bible and man speaks to God in prayer. One reads the Bible to discover God's will. This is his promise. This is his will for your life. You don't have to pray if it be that will. You open it and you read it. And you can find out what his will is. We pray in order to receive power to do that will. Bible reading and praying are the distinguishing traits of those who strive to know and please God. I desire that, don't you? I desire to know and to please God. And if you, I think I put Psalm 119 on there. I, I like Psalm 119. I put it on there for application. Psalm 119 just talks about the word of God. And I'll, I'll show you just in, in my Bible. Whenever I start to feel like I don't really care about reading my Bible, because that feeling comes, and know that your prayer life, praise and worship, spending time with God, being aware of his presence, has nothing to do with the way that you feel. Your Christian walk has nothing to do with the way that you feel. So you got to put those feelings on the back burner, because they're not always right. So when those feelings, for me, they start to come. Psalm 119, I don't know if you can see it. I've got it highlighted. I've got yellow crayon, so one time that was all I could find. I've got some red, oh, that's really good, that red one that circled. Let me read that one to you. It says, keep me from lying to myself. Ooh. Encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths of your instruction. Give me life through your word. Revive me through your word. Encourage me through your word. I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I ponder the direction of my life, and then I turn to follow your word. Your commands make me wise, wiser than my enemies. They are my guide. Your commands give me understanding. God, I'm reading your word right now. You're giving me understanding. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. God, thank you for light today that I can see clearly what you want me to do. I start reading those and I read them out loud. And by the time I get through all 176 verses of Psalm 191, because it's long, but I have some highlighted. You should completely mark in your Bible if it's yours. I mean, it's your book. It's the book. But when I, by the time I get through saying those and I say them out loud, then I sit down and think, God, how foolish was I to think I didn't want to do this or didn't need to do this. I speak it out loud. There's a key in speaking it out loud. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, So, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm turning my page. That we receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. We need mercy. Mercy for your failures. Mercy for where you've missed it. Grace for your future. He knows you've missed it. 
He's with you the whole time. And yet he still asks, come boldly into my presence. Don't be ashamed. All right, the last part says how to pray. Now, these are just some pointers on what I do. This is a jump-off place for you to get something and then find out what works for you and go from there. Number one, pray out loud. I know you talked about last week, Jesus said, or pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He starts off by praising God. God, you're holy. God, you're awesome. God, you're mighty. You're the Lord of the angel armies. I like how different Bibles describe him, Lord of the angel armies. That just sounds cool. You're commander-in-chief. You're king. You're Jehovah. You start just calling his names out, giving him honor. Out loud. Pray out loud. Isaiah 43, 26 God is saying to the nation of Israel, put me in remembrance. And right there, he had just finished chastising them because they had kind of gotten away and, and uh, they'd been behaving badly. They had started to think it was a drudgery. I've got to pray. Are you kidding? And so he starts to get on to them about their conduct, about their behavior, about how they've just been shunning him. You haven't been, uh, you know, sacrifices, no offerings, nothing. You haven't even been talking to me. He gets on to him. But then he says, look, am I not the one who blots out your transgressions? I will not remember your iniquities or your sin. Put me in remembrance. Remind me. Remind me of my word. Why does he say that? You think he forgets? Did he forget? What did I say? I forgot. What did I tell you to do back at Jericho? He doesn't forget. But when you remind him, you're also reminding yourself. You are the God that blots out my transgressions. All that stuff where I missed it right here, you're the one that blots that all out. You're the one that draws close to me. You're the one that saved me. You're the one that parted the sea and brought everybody through. You're the one in the burning bush. You're the one that made the sun stand still. And as you start to say that, as you start to remind him of his word, you're in turn reminding yourself of the God that you're talking to. Pray using the word. Pray using the word. Psalm 37, 31 says, The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. It's so important to get the word in your heart. As you're praying, and some, I don't always have to pray with my eyes closed, although I do a lot because I get distracted. But as you're praying, as you're reading the word, it's getting in your heart. And right there it says, none of your steps will slide as you do that. Psalm 91. Boy, that's a good one. And this goes back to what he said, uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 6 at the beginning of, of that prayer when he starts praising God and talking about how holy and awesome God is. In Psalm 91, I like to start off with Psalm 91. When I get into the Lord's presence, it's just good. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I will declare or say out loud or profess, he alone is my refuge. God, you alone are my refuge. You are my place of safety. You are my God, and I trust you, God. I trust you. 
Verse three, he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. God, you rescue me from every trap. I recognize today there may be some traps laid for me, but you're rescuing me today and you're protecting me today because that's what your word says. You said you would do it and I believe you're gonna do it. He'll cover you with his feathers. He'll shelter you with his wings. That's protection. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Man, that's just a good one. It talks about the goodness of God. It talks about how big and how bad he is. Bad to the bone. Not bad, awful. It's bad to the bone. I mean that in a good way. Bad to the bone. Boy, I just like that. So you start off by praising God, giving him honor and glory, do his name with Psalm 91. And there's another one here I had printed up. Christian, you have the rest of those? This one, another great place. I only made 40 copies. So if, if you're like married or something, share and make a copy at home. Um, if you like, oh, let me get that for you. Barbie's dancing here. But this paper I'm passing out to you, that's okay, is Ephesians prayers. This is so good. Praise the Lord. In the Ephesians prayers, it's where Paul is praying for spiritual wisdom and spiritual growth. And this is actually, these are my notes. I printed them up a couple years ago, and I was thinking about them while... I was getting ready for this, and so I just really made you a copy of something that I use. Um, on the first side is Ephesians 1, and I have them in, in three different translations. Rather than having three Bibles out, I did all the work for you. The first one's New Living, the second one is New King James, and the third one's a Message Bible. So Ephesians 1's on one side, and Ephesians 3 is on the other side. And, and what I did on the um, second and third one on the paper, I made it personal. Everywhere would, where he would say, you, I put me. So when you pray this out loud, for example, uh, Ephesians 1, 17 and the New King James, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, today I'm asking you for me. I need it, God. I need a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. the eyes of my understanding being enlightened. So you take the word of God and you make it personal. You pray his word. You put him in remembrance of those things that he's already promised. This is his word, his promise to you. So this is by no means, you have to do this or you're not really praying. By no means. I'm just trying to give you something to jump off of. If you don't already have a prayer life established or, or something that kind of gets you going, I hope these will help you. And I would say daily, Praying for spiritual wisdom and spiritual growth. Boy, you just can't miss it with that. Man, he's just so good. Especially now while you're fasting, a lot of you. You do this and you really make an effort. Make an effort to go an extra mile in your prayer life while we're doing this fasting this last week. And if you haven't done it yet, get on board now. Just go all out this week then. If you missed it up until this point, you can still jump in there. But when you set time aside to fast and do something natural, come on up here. Do something different in your prayer life. Don't do the same old prayer life that you've done before you're fasting. While you're fasting, do something different because you're doing something different naturally. Do something different spiritually. Go a little deeper. Spend a little more time with him. Shout a little louder than you've ever shouted before. Lift your hands if you've never lifted your hands. Pray with your family if you've never prayed with your family. 